Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the College Football Survivor Show, where playoff survival is always on the line. Here are your co-hosts, Doug Maurice and Shahan Jeharaja. And we're back on the College Football Survivor Show. Doug Maurice and Shahan Jeharaja. And Shahan, we are here to change lives. Change minds and change lives, which we, we're trying to do every podcast. But I don't know. Sometimes you're just talking about football. But this, I, we can make an impact here. This is something in college football that I think should change. I think very well could change, but I do think it needs a push and I think it will make the sport better and have a historical impact on this sport that we love and the people listening to this podcast love. I don't want to overdo it. Sean, you know, there's other things that matter in life, right? Love, war, health, happiness, right? But the Heisman Trophy is in there somewhere on the list of the 100 things that matter most in the world. The Heisman Trophy is probably like 83rd. So if we are messing with the Heisman Trophy, which we're going to do for the next hour, how big a deal is this? Am I overstating the case that we are changing the fabric of the most important award in North American sports? And it's going to start here with us. This is a huge deal. This is the biggest thing that's ever happened on this podcast. Maybe one of the biggest things to happen in the last 25 years of college football. Am I overstating the case? Yes. Oh, sorry. Okay. <laughs> I'll pull it back because what we want to do is we want to turn the Heisman Trophy into a postseason award. And we're going to discuss how that would have changed the voting this year. We're going to talk about how it might have changed the winners of the Heisman Trophy in the playoff era. And then I have reasons why I think this should happen. But let's get an idea of how much pushback I might get from you as we go through this. Do you, generally speaking, like this idea? Hate this idea? You're open to it? You need some persuading? You're almost there? You're just here to entertain my weird thoughts, cash a check and get out of here and you don't really care. Like where, where are you? I am passionate about that. Where are you in this discussion? Personally, I hate it. I think that it totally misunderstands oh. what the award is. I think that you look across oh, other no. sports, they have a, an award that is about the regular season and it's the most valuable player or whatever else. And then they have other awards to take into account the postseason. There, I, I personally am not a fan of this. I personally think that this devalues, uh, you know, just what the Heisman has meant historically. And probably the biggest thing that I do not like about this idea is that it ultimately means that to win the Heisman, you have to play for one of four teams. Now, obviously, it's going to expand to 12. But I, I think that, like, for example, somebody who I would, uh, you know, we're going to we're going to do our postseason Heisman pick uh, and, like, put together our ballots. One player who I think maybe could have benefited, for example, is Michael Penix. 
right? Michael Penix, he leads Washington to 11 wins. They win the Alamo Bowl. But is anybody looking at Michael Penix winning the Alamo Bowl and taking it all that seriously? Like, I don't think that's fair. Like, Michael Penix played for an awesome team that won 11 games. But, like, his postseason accomplishments won't matter because he didn't play in the playoff. The only players who are going to be considered are players who play in the playoff and frankly probably only uh, players who make it to the national championship game and we have a award for that it's called winning a national championship i i don't think that we need to take the heisman trophy and take that out of the hands of players who aren't in the playoff or didn't play in the playoff or anything like that okay i accept this challenge it hurts my heart a little bit. I thought you maybe were going to be with me from the start, but I like the idea. I'm going to try to persuade you of this over the next 57 minutes because I know what you're saying, but as it stands, Michael Penix finished eighth in the Heisman voting this year. So he already didn't get to New York. He already didn't get that much consideration. And the one important point is we're only doing this in a 12-team playoff world where you're expanding the playoff. And I think that is a huge component of this. I would start this with the 12-team playoff. We're entering a completely new era in college football. And so I think the Heisman needs to evolve with the sport. But I would argue if we want to use this Michael Penix example, we didn't think of how, oh, he won the Alamo Bowl. Who would care about that in a Heisman race? Because it's not part of the Heisman race. I think in a world where Michael Penix, his team didn't make the playoff, but today in the Alamo Bowl against, I don't even know who they played. Who'd they play? Texas, San Antonio, Texas. In the Alamo Bowl, can Michael Penix make his Heisman case? Tune in. Michael Penix is here. It's been a great season. Can he put the capper to make his, which he doesn't get a chance. He didn't get a chance to do that. Now, I, I would argue if your point is a guy like Michael Penix doesn't have a chance at the Heisman in the new formula. I would argue he doesn't have a chance in the current formula. So let's give him a little extra boost. I think that my point isn't that Michael Penix could have won the Heisman if people cared about the Alamo Bowl more. I, I think that my point is that this is a massive advantage that playoff participants will get that anybody who's not a part playoff participant will not get. So for example, you know, back in 2016, Lamar Jackson's Louisville was really good, but are people giving Lamar Jackson the Heisman coming off of a really nice 10 win season if he's not playing in the playoff? It, are people giving Robert Griffin back in 2011 the Heisman because they played in, in uh, actually, funnily enough, the Alamo Bowl against, funnily enough, Washington? Uh, like, nobody, I, I don't think anybody's looking at them like that. If then, right after we play that game, then it's like, well, now A.J. McCarron and whoever else is playing in the playoffs. So I guess we got to look at them because that's the game that we're actually all watching. You know, like, I, I just think that I think that ultimately it changes the award into effectively a most outstanding player award uh, for for the tournament. And I just think that's a completely different award than winning essentially national player of the year. So. I don't disagree. Let me run through the Heisman winners in the playoff era. Yeah. Team made the national championship game. Team won the national championship. Lamar Jackson. Team made the semifinal. Team made the semifinal. Team won the national championship. Team won the national championship. Team made the national championship game. And then Caleb Williams this year, who almost made it. So in the playoff era, seven of the nine Heisman winners were in the playoff. 
So I, I think you're arguing against something that already exists. And I would argue that I actually think you would potentially enhance the, the chances of the non-playoff players because you are – They the thing of it is, well, I have five arguments. I have five arguments <laughs> and then a half argument at the end that I will outline that I will try to answer some of your questions I'm going to sprinkle them in. Here's my first reason why I think the Heisman should move to the end of the season. And then we're going to immediately get to our postseason ballots for this year. How would it have changed our view? My number one thing is you brought up the idea that in in other sports, they have a postseason award and the regular season award. They also break up the season. College football doesn't do that. All the stats are lumped together. And we, I think college football should either say it's a 12... It's a 12-game regular season, and then all this other postseason stuff is something different. Or admit that it's all together and do the awards for the whole thing. So I think college football is more a whole thing than other sports are because everybody makes the, quote, playoff because of bowl season. Because 66 teams make bowls. Everybody gets that extra game which doesn't exist in other sports. You're cutting teams out. So for everybody, you are eliminating one of their team's games because everybody makes a bowl. And I don't think that makes sense. I don't think you should give an award where you're not counting everything that happens in a season. And do you at least agree with the idea that college football does smush everything together more than other sports do where the NFL has a 16 game regular season. And then a bunch of teams are done. Nobody's done. Nobody that matters is done. And there, and I know you're going to bring up another point. Well, but, and that's actually one of the other points that'll come up later, but you like, you know what I mean? We do think, and it, it, this is not why I want to do it, but when you go back and you look at, Hey, here's the stats of the Heisman winner. Well, you go, well, those weren't their stats when they won it because they gave out the award in the middle of the season. They gave out the award before the season was over. Do you – there's it's, it is at least a little bit different, right? College football is all smushed. Well, but but go back to the history and, and obviously, you know, you were around during the creation of the sport, obviously, and you got to see, uh, you know, Army win all those titles and all that. So, you know, when you go back to the history of the sport – Go Army. Yeah. What are bowl games? They are exhibitions to reward a team at the end of the season. We didn't count bowl stats at all until what? It it was like 2003, right? Like it it was very recent, the idea that we should even consider a bowl game as a real football game. And I think that I I think that that is true to the idea of what bowl game. And, And by the way, now we have players opting out of these bowl games, right? And I think that you look at this situation and uh, again, you know, to go back to, to Michael Penix or whoever else, B. John Robinson's not playing in that game. Roshan Johnson's not playing in that game. I don't think anybody, I don't think anybody would have the possibility to watch that game and, and say, Michael Penix is making the same kind of case and has the opportunity to make the same kind of case in this game as other guys who will get to who played in the college football playoff. So I think you're actually arguing for me that when the Heisman started, bowl games were exhibitions and vacations that nobody cared about. And now the games that are played after the Heisman is awarded are the most important games of the season for a lot of the, for the best teams and a lot of the best players. So 
It made more sense for Mr. Inside and Mr. Outside, Doc Blanchard and Felix Jones. Well, I can't think of the other guy's name. It's not Felix Jones. But the two Army guys who won back-to-back, Felix Jones and uh, Darren McFadden, they were, the Ar- they were the Arkansas guys. They weren't Doc Blanchard and the, uh, and the other guy. Glenn Miller? No, that was an orchestra guy. So anyway, <laughs> my point is – my point is there was a time when anything you did after the Heisman was fluff and that's not the case now. Right. So that's, so, so I think you're almost arguing for me by saying, well, back when it started, the bowl games didn't matter. It's like, yeah, I know. And now they matter. So I can't, I'm going to run through all six of my things right now. Cause I can't sprinkle cause I'm just going to make my case and then we'll <laughs> see how it would affect it. We've had nine Heisman's. We've had nine Heisman's in the playoff era. I think this would have changed two winners, maybe three, and it might only be one. So if you're worried about like, well, you're, you're changing the whole spirit of the award. I, you're actually not. But I think what you're allowing is the most important games to matter to the Heisman case. So here's my overall case, my six points. One is we count all the stats for someone's whole season. We don't break it up regular season and postseason. So we already have something that tells us college football is one big giant thing. And so when I look at the end, if we're going to count all the stats together, then let's count all the stats together when we do the Heisman. That's number one. Number two is everybody plays an extra game. So everybody has a chance to make their case after the Heisman, unlike every other sport where there's a limited number of teams. Now, I understand, of course, that the playoff is different than bowl season, but still, you get a chance. You have one more game extra. It's not like guys are going to be sitting at home being like, man, I didn't get my chance. Number three is we already use part of the postseason for the Heisman because we use conference championship games where there are guys sitting at home. And guess what I say every year when we have a Heisman race? You've got to play on conference championship weekend or you're not going to win. Because I think that's proven out. So we're already part of the way there. If you, guess what? C.J. Stroud hurt his Heisman chances because his team wasn't playing on conference championship weekend. Now, you would say, hey, well then make the conference championship game and then maybe you won't be sitting at home. But now you're arguing for, hey, what about those guys who aren't in the playoff? It's not fair to them. What's the difference between not playing in the conference championship game and it hurting your Heisman chances and not playing in the playoff and it hurting your Heisman chances? We're already part of the way there. And the only reason we do that is because of scheduling logistics, because the conference championship games are right after the end of the regular season. And the other games are not. But we acknowledge that that's different. That No one says that's the regular season, right? It's conference championship weekend, and it's more exclusive. It's much more exclusive than bowl season is. So I think that is a big deal. We're already part of the way there. You said guys sitting out. My number four thing is I think this gets guys to play or encourages them to play. Bijan Robinson, Michael Penix, anybody. Your bowl is now your last best chance to make your Heisman case. And as part of this, Shahan, I think everything should move. I think all American teams, I think every individual award. Why would you award anything before all the games are done? It's insane to me. So I don't know if that's fair or not. But if we live in a world where, well, why would a guy play in a bowl game? It's meaningless. His team can't win a title. There are guys who play for teams that can't win a title starting in week two. And they keep playing. So now the very best players, you add extra incentive for them to play. Now maybe bowl games can give them money. And if you decide not to play, if you still opt out, which all the best players do right now, 
you're still eligible for everything. It doesn't mean you're not going to be an All-American. It doesn't mean you're not going to win the Heisman or win your the Thorpe Award or the Outland Trophy or anything else. It just means you have one less game. That's all. But I think it's an extra incentive because you give meaning back. They aren't fluffy exhibitions anymore. They're part of your season, which by awarding everything before those games, we take the value out of those games. Hey, you're an All-American. Now go play in the Alamo Bowl. So I think that's a big deal. The biggest deal is we're going to a 12-team playoff. So Archie Griffin in 1975, when he won his second Heisman, which is just a, a point I decided to use. Ohio State plays 11 regular season games and one bowl game. That's the, that's the world back then. So Archie Griffin plays 11 games, wins his second Heisman, then plays in the Rose Bowl. 8% of his season is not counted in his Heisman resume. Now we are running a world where a good team, if you make the conference championship game, and some, t- some won't. So you'll play thir- 12 or 13 games, and then you might play four playoff games. So if you're a team that plays 13 regular, 13 regular season games, you notice I call the conference championship, I'm, I'm lumping it in, I don't know what it is. You might only play 12, and then you play four. That's 24% of your season that's not counted. So that world, where we're going to have guys play potentially three or four playoff games, and none of it counts, is crazy to me. And if you're a team, actually, if you play four playoff games and only 12 regular season games, that's like like a third of your season or whatever. It's like, I guess it's 25%. You're playing 16 games and four don't count. This is the driving force of this, Shahan, the 12-team playoff. You're going to be playing so many games that don't count. It's ridiculous to me. It completely is the game changer why I'm pushing this. And then the last thing is, the half point argument is, if you don't want to do it, we'll just do a postseason Heisman. That maybe is cooler. And we'll call it the Vince Young Award. You want to win the Heisman? Uh, that's the thing during the regular season when it's like everybody. Now here's this exclusive club where you're playing a bunch of games. It's not the National Championship Award. It's the best player of the playoff. And I was watching the highlight of Vince Young running into the corner of the end zone in the Rose Bowl to beat USC at the end of the 2005 season in the game of the century. And I thought he did the little hop step as he crossed the goal line because I misremembered it. I was at that game. I misremembered it. He does a little hop step sort of as he gets to the first line of the crowd in the sideline after he scored the touchdown. As he's in the air in that celebratory hop step with the ball clutched in his right hand, that's my trophy, the Vince Young trophy. So Heisman, you can either be rendered not irrelevant, but now you've got to share the stage. Uh, He didn't win the Heisman, but he won the Young. You can either share it with the new postseason award brought to you by the College Football Survivor Show. I'll commission a trophy. What's it cost? 50 bucks? I don't know. I'll do that. You can either share the stage or you can encapsulate the entire season with your trophy. So the stats are already smushed together. Everybody plays an extra game. We're already using part of the postseason. You're going to get the stars have extra incentive to play in the bowls. The 12-team playoff, there's so many more games that are not going to be counted if you keep it the way it is. And by the way, we'll make a new trophy if you don't do it. Those are my five and a half points. Boom. Thanks for listening to the College Football Survivor Show. Roast it. <laughs> persuasive. Is it persuasive or are you just like, shut up, Doug? 
<laughs> no, I mean, I, I think that the points are well taken. And actually, I think the last half point is the best point. We should have a most outstanding player mm-hmm. of the college football I knew you'd playoffs. seize on my half point. Oh, yeah. Well, let Doug make up his own little award. Yeah, great. <laughs> no, I, I think – and I think that that's something that they can and honestly probably should do. But, you know, you mentioned uh, – one of the points that you mentioned is that there's less separation between – the the bowl games and the regular season in college football than in other sports but i actually think that that's the opposite there's 15 practices in a full month in between the regular season and the postseason and and obviously like you said the the conference championship games are technically a point of the postseason that are taken into consideration but it's a one week extension of the season versus a seven week extension of the season what's you know game 12 of the regular season is played on november 25th or whatever it is game one of the playoffs is played on uh, is going to be played even in a 12 team world on like december 27th no december 19th december 19 2021 the first year 2024 no in tw- well, no in in it'll be either december 19th 20th or 21 okay in- okay the year 2024. So listen, because the calendar as it stands right now, this what, it does help. This is what this is what the calendar is going to be in the new world. Conference championship game weekend, the first weekend in December. Second weekend in December, hand out the Heisman. Yeah. Third weekend in December, start the playoff. That's oh. the new calendar. So you're squeezing. He's not going to be happy about that. Well, but Army Navy doesn't matter for the Heisman thing. No offense to Doc Blanchard and Glenn Miller. Steve Tovar? No, I can't remember the guy's name. It like it you're it's that's the world. And by the way, you're not even going to have time to go to the Heisman. Like but right now it's like, "Oh, okay, well let's make all the best players fly to New York and do like a photo shoot on Friday as they're potentially playing to planning to play a first round playoff game. It's ridiculous to smush the Heisman in the only open weekend between conference championship weekend and the first round of the playoffs." It's crazy to me. And there's going to be multiple players who are going to be in New York on that weekend when they should be prepping for the playoff because it's all one big season. So I think that argument does not hold water in the 12-team playoff world. It's not the same. Now, if you're playing a single bowl game, yes, there's going to be a bit of a gap there. But half those bowl games are in mid-December anyway. So I, I, I don't. I don't think we're going to have – we're used to that now. Hey, you get 41 days off. That's not the new world. That's not the new world. And to cram in, honestly, game, award ceremony for the best player, game, 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 game. It's, it, how does that make sense? So here is probably my actual biggest issue with this proposal. So you obviously are a Heisman voter. So you can tell me about the Heisman voting process and how many people are involved and how many people who don't know what they're doing are involved. The amount of people who will not watch anything except for the very end of the national championship games. That see, because for example, when we talk about you have to play on conference championship weekend, a big part of it is because we know that these a lot of these guys aren't watching these games. So what's the difference then? So what's the difference? It's already bad. Is it going to get worse? A big part to me, because because, and I think that we, I think that we need to get to, uh, to one our bows from this year uh, in a in a postseason Heisman world, but two, I think we need to get to uh, 
the how the winners potentially would have changed in the playoff era. But I, I think that it just puts so much focus on the national championship game as the only thing that matters in the sports. Because I think you look back, right? You know, 2022, for example, Caleb Williams wins the Heisman Trophy. I think very deserving Heisman Trophy winner was the best player in college football this year, I'd argue. Um, I don't think he wins it because of he wasn't. Uh, well, let's get, we can get to our ballots then. We can get to our ballots. We can get to our yeah. ballots. So, so I think most of the things that you're arguing against exist now. The idea that people don't pay attention until the end of the year, the people that that players on teams competing for the title have an edge and get more votes. Yes, that's already true. So why not acknowledge it more? And then why not give anybody who's not in those situations a last chance for a big hyped up bowl game last Heisman chance as opposed to Michael Penix's last opportunity to make a Heisman case was just like a regular season game in the Pac-12 that nobody watched. But now it's like, Mike, I, I don't disagree. And I think there are many things that should change about the Heisman. There's about 900 plus electors, all living Heisman winners. Plus there's a number of voters from each state. I think the way they pick those voters is bad. I think they don't, they have too many retired guys who aren't really covering the sport. There's too many people then who are covering the sport that are blocked out. I think you re- need, to, need to redo the whole system, which you have an opportunity to do. And I am agree- I'm in agreement on all this. You need a probably smaller, more educated voting block, which is what we did with the sport. We went from 62 people in the coaches poll and 63 people in the AP poll and six different computer systems to a 13-person group to pick the playoff. We went from bigger to smaller, but unaware to more educated. I think the Heisman should do the same thing. I think you should have to earn your Heisman vote more. That's part two of the podcast. I am in complete agreement. But what I'm dealing with, what we're dealing with now is the structure, the timing. And as the sport changes, I think that's most important award should change as well. We're going to now do the examples starting with the most recent one, because that's going to tell you if this is a terrible idea or a decent idea, how much would change or not change. We'll do that next on the College Football Survivor Show. Don't miss the College Football Survivor Show bonus episode this week, available only on Apple Podcasts. Offensively, Nick Saban has had eight offensive coordinators since taking over at Alabama in 2007. Would you like to play? Name that Saban coordinator. Let's oh see boy. how many of the eight you can name. Okay, okay. Uh, Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin is correct. He was the offensive coordinator for three years from 2014 to 2016. Mike Loxley. Mike Loxley was the coordinator for one year in 2018. Brian Dabble. He was the coordinator. Now the head coach of the New York Giants New York after Giants, a long New run York. with the Buffalo Bills. Yes. One year in 2017. Okay. Doug Nussmeyer. Doug Nussmeyer, that's a hard one. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts for exclusive College Survivor Show bonus episodes. Doug and Shahan are back. I am a Heisman voter. I've been so for about 10 years. You are not yet a Heisman voter. And again, the idea that you're not a Heisman voter is one of the things that's wrong with the system. My ballot, my actual ballot this year, was the order of finish. I went Caleb Williams 1, Max Duggan 2, C.J. Stroud 3. 
And I did not consider voting for Stetson Bennett. When Stetson Bennett popped up as one of the finalists, I was like, oh, should I have thought about him? I didn't think about him at all. And he finished fourth. So that's my actual ballot. What would, if you had a vote, which you should have, and we're working on it, what would your vote have been in December? Yeah, I would have, uh, I would have gone Caleb Williams one, Max Duggan two, and I would have gone Hendon Hooker three. Okay. So let's talk about what these guys did to make their case or not make their case um, after these games were played. So let's start with Caleb Williams, who did play in his bowl game, right? Did play against Tulane, did not win, but 37 of 52, 462 yards passing, five touchdowns in a 46-45 loss to Tulane. This is a very good example. We are doing, I think this is because the other three finalists were all in the playoff, right? It's, it's the three, it's three playoff quarterbacks. And then this guy who barely missed the playoff, had a chance to get in the playoff, didn't barely missed it, but then does play in his bowl game and lights it up. What do you think that effort did for Caleb Williams postseason Heisman chances, Shahan? I think he would have lost any chance to have the award because USC lost the game. I completely disagree with that. See, now I think you are a guy who doesn't want – you are an advocate, and I made you be in a playoff show. You are an advocate <laughs> for the full-throated – across the board, coast to coast, California to Florida, Mexico to Canada, from the SEC to Conference USA, every single team matters. You are that guy in college football, I think, as much as anybody out there. Because there are some people who only care about the best teams, me. There are some people who are the group of five people, right? But you are top to bottom, one to 131, I think as educated about the entire sport as anybody in the country, I honestly think that, and I'm not just saying that to get a couple extra listeners on the podcast. Hey, come listen to this guy. He's the best guy. I really think that. We were lucky to find you. I truly think that. I think you're, in this case, you are always, I think, defending, I don't know if I want to say the little guy, but the person out of the spotlight. You're always standing up for them. And I think here you are overestimating how much this is a USC quarterback who played in a very high profile game and put up great stats. You think he would have no chance. He was a pretty overwhelming winner. You think he would have no chance of winning. I think that his odds would have gone down tremendously because I think that the narrative that came from that game was not that in the Heisman's a narrative award. We've we've spoken about that before, and that's not a problem. It's a narrative award. But the narrative coming from that game was what a failure by USC to by lose USC, to not by him, not by him, not by him. But this is where these things get intertwined. That's why Stetson Bennett was a Heisman finalist, is because they were the best team in the country, and people were like, "Well, we obviously got to vote somebody who's from the best team in the country." These things are absolutely intertwined, which is one of my big issues with it. Then, uh, with it then becoming a playoff award, is that the success of their teams is 
going to be 100% intrinsic to how people vote for the award because they don't actually want to to watch the games in the regular season. But they do want to, but they're all going to watch these games at the end. They're all going to watch these games at the end. I, I am, I am surprised. I, I don't agree with this. I think this is like the perfect case of how a guy not in the playoff still has a very, very compelling Heisman case because what he then went and did in his very competitive high level bowl game confirmed everything he did during the regular season. When what did he do during the regular season? He was the very high achieving, talented, highlight heavy, skilled quarterback of a non-playoff team. And he still won persuasively. It was not that close. He got 544 first place votes. Max Duggan got 188. He had 2,031 points. Max Duggan had 1,420. So I think this is a persuasive case, but we'll get to, let's get to our ballot. So let's talk about the guy who finished second, Max Duggan, who again is, so I'm going to be curious how you work this because you're now standing up for like the little known USC Lincoln Riley quarterback. But now Max Duggan, who did finish second behind Caleb Williams, he gets to the playoff against Michigan, 14 of 29, 225 yards, two passing touchdowns, two interceptions, 15 carries, 57 yards, two touchdowns. And then George in the national title game, 14 of 22, 152, no touchdowns, two interceptions, uh, 10 carries. He got sacked five times, so he had negative rushing yards. What do you think happens to Max Duggan's Heisman case? if it's a postseason Heisman. So I think I have to talk about this in the context of how this all would finish. Okay. So you want to go to the other guys? Let me give the other guys stats. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Let's do it all. CJ Stroud finishes third. He's 23 of 34 for 348, four touchdowns, no interceptions against Georgia in a semifinal kind of runs the ball for the first time all year that people are waiting for 12 carries for 34 yards, but had a couple big runs. And then Stetson Bennett, who a lot of people were offended was a Heisman finalist, was there instead of Hendon Hooker. Stetson Bennett against Ohio State, 23 of 34, 398 passing yards, three touchdowns, one interception. Against TCU in the national title game, 18 of 25, 304 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Also has three rushing touchdowns in those two games. Total, 723 total offensive yards, 10 total touchdowns, one pick. It is his total yards, rushing and passing combined. His best, the the Ohio State game was his best game of the year in total yards. And the TCU game was his third best game of the year. The only one better in between was the opener against Oregon. So he had his two best games since the opener on the biggest stage against the best opposition. So that's what Stetson Bennett, guy who people mocked as a Heisman finalist, that's what he did for the best team against the best competition when it mattered the most. So I can't I can't decide, and he's a walk-on. He's 50, but he's a walk-on. So I don't know where you're going to land on. You want to defend the little guy, which you embraced. I'm not sure who the little guy is here. Who's the little guy that you are going to stand up for and say a postseason Heisman is unfair to him? So we've laid it all out now. Go ahead and uh, defend it first and then give us your ballot, your postseason ballot. I I guess maybe the way to to frame it more is is less, uh, in this case, defending the little guy and more attacking who's apparently now the big guy. Uh, 
I don't think that after this playoff, anybody except for Stetson Bennett has a chance to win the Heisman. I, I think I that Stetson Bennett is disagree. the runaway, runaway Heisman winner if this happens after the season. Absolute runaway. He played his two best games of the season, like you mentioned, because people did not watch Stetson Bennett all that closely during the regular season when he was fine. But he played his two best games in the college football playoff. Georgia obviously won both those games. The last thing that people remember from this is the best game of Stetson Bennett's career when he scored six touchdowns in a 65-7 win over TCU. I think that that game erases any goodwill that Max Duggan had because everybody watched the national championship game. And I think that Stetson Bennett absolutely runs away with this award if it's a postseason award. And he was not the best player across the season. So, but but here's the thing. Here's the thing when we get into like, well, what about this game? Why'd they forget about this game? People forgot about Caleb Williams going 16 of 36 for 180 in a 17-14 win against Oregon State in September, right? They forgot about that. Like everybody has, they forgot that he was 188, 15 of 29 for 188. Everybody has up games and down games. To be fair, it was because it was on the Pac-12 network. Nobody could even watch that game. But but the idea that everybody has big games and lesser games, right? And if you have – it sounds like – so Stetson Bennett, was he as good all year as he was in the two playoff games? No. no. But does it make sense that Stetson Bennett's two best games – that occur on the biggest stage with the most pressure, when his team needs him the most, against the best competition, they don't count? Why does that make sense? Why does it make sense to not count Stetson Bennett's best games, but Caleb Williams throwing for 470 yards against UCLA in November, that does count? What's the rationale other than, well, you know, one's the regular season, one's the postseason, whatever, but we also, again, it's the smush argument, it, it seems like you want to say, well, you shouldn't just take Stetson Bennett's most high-profile best games into account, except high-profile best games is what wins guys the Heisman every year because you point to their best game and say, oh, that guy in that game. That was – it's a highlight. It's a highlight. It's a narrative. That's the other thing. It's one of the other things I forgot to put in my thing. It's a narrative award. I agree with you. We talk about that. It's a narrative award that you hand out before the book's done. I, I don't understand why Stetson – why shouldn't Stetson Bennett's game best games – on the biggest stages, count a lot instead of count zero. So what I want fundamentally is right now we ask voters to evaluate a body of work games one through 13. Right. Like and and especially I think that there's actually in some ways a beauty to the idea that these guys don't necessarily play each other in the regular season, that they're doing their own thing. Caleb Williams and Max Duggan and Stetson Bennett and CJ Stroud did not play against each other in the regular season. And I think that once you get to the postseason, when you have the situation, it just becomes a quarterback wins award, right? Like it's a, well, your quarterback beat my quarterback and therefore this player's eliminated. Like that's what happens. That That's what happens, I think, here. And I think that that completely eliminates anything that happened before this quarterback beat this quarterback. And fundamentally, like, I'm sorry, did we expect Max Duggan to play as well against Georgia as Stetson Bennett would have against TCU with Georgia players versus then TCU players? But then why does Max, why should Max Duggan finish second in the Heisman then? So you are advocating for less context. This is a regional argument for what was 
a regional sport and is no longer a regional sport. You want the votes to come down to what everybody does in their own individual silo, not against each other, with no context of what a TCU quarterback would actually look like against Georgia or what a Georgia quarterback would look like against TCU. I, I don't, why is that better? Why is it better to be in your own little world? And then we, as uneducated Heisman voters, have to try to decide, well, what does that mean in the Big 12 versus what that means in the SEC versus what that means in the Big 10? Why is that better? Because I think it's fundamentally a narrative award. And I think that when we get to a point where, again, there are three teams. We've ta- we talk about it repeatedly. There are three teams doing things that nobody else is doing, right? Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia. In any one-on-one situation against these teams, the other team's going to lose. Like, most likely, more times than not, the other team is going to lose. There's obviously exceptions, but I, I do we want to be in a position where this becomes a quarterback wins award? Like, I, that's the worst way to me to look at football, and I don't trust the voters, and I don't trust our college football narrative machine to view it as anything other than that. But it seems like you're making a Max Duggan argument to me that you want Max Duggan. I would not have voted Max Duggan. No, I wouldn't have voted Max Duggan. But you voted Max Duggan second in your regular season ballot. Yes. All right. Let's let's just go to our postseason ballot so we can talk about how it would have changed. Okay. So your original ballot, say it again, what your your regular ballot would have been. My regular ballot would have been Caleb Williams, Max Duggan, Hendon Hooker. Okay. And what would your postseason ballot have been? Yeah, if we were doing three, it, I would have had Caleb Williams one. I would have had Stetson Bennett two and Max Duggan three. Okay. I had Caleb Williams one, Max Duggan two, CJ Stroud three. My postseason ballot would have been Caleb Williams one, Stetson Bennett two, CJ Stroud three. So we would be two of the voters in this modern thing. What we did, what we did was we both moved up Stetson Bennett because guess what? We had his two best games as part of his resume. And we went from, that guy's no head and hooker to, oh my gosh, that guy led the go-ahead touchdown drive in the final two minutes of a semifinal to keep their chances alive, right? That guy made plays. Did anyone, did anyone walk away from the playoff and think, I was stupid that Stetson Bennett was a Heisman finalist, which is what people were saying when he was there, right? Didn't that argument get like, hey, that guy's a good player. I'm not saying he should have won. Neither of us are. But didn't he bolster himself? Didn't he make a persuasive case? Like, yeah, no, that guy, that guy's a legit Heisman candidate. Do you think he did that in the playoff? I I think that's fair to say. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair to say. But it's I just don't view it as as a postseason award. Okay, so you're back. So here's the thing. Here's the thing why I still voted for Caleb Williams. It's his case. His case didn't change. He's individually awesome. His team is not quite good enough as a playoff team. But the case that he made, the fundamental case that he made when he won it, didn't change because he went to his bowl game. And I'm not if he would opt if he would have been hurt or opted out. He still might have won. He still might have won. But, hey, throwing for five touchdowns and 400-plus yards in your bowl game certainly helped. In the end, yards from scrimmage per game, all games included, Caleb Williams, 351, C.J. Stroud, 292, Stetson Bennett, 288, Max Duggan, 275. 
So there's still a statistical thing where it's like, listen, man, this this one guy is just head and shoulders above the rest of the competition when it comes to like sort of producing on a game-by-game basis. I don't think people would completely wipe it out. The other thing I would make sure you do is you've got to give people time after the national championship game. You can't ask for their ballots at noon the next day. You've got to let them decompress a little bit and give people like three or four days, and you've got to send the message. It's a full-season award, right? We'll send it. They'll send them here. It's a full season award still, which it is not now. It's a full season award. Don't only count the playoff, but certainly does the playoff count a lot? Heck yes. It's the most important games against the best competition. So I think the example here of what changes is Max Duggan finished second. And if Caleb Williams didn't exist, Max Duggan would have won the Heisman. And if Max Duggan had won the Heisman, after the playoff, I think people would have been like, huh, uh, I don't know about that one. Because C.J. Stroud performed better against that Georgia defense than Max Duggan did. And Stetson Bennett was rolling for two games on the way to the national title. At the moment, I voted Max Duggan second and didn't think about Stetson Bennett. And then after the playoff, what is their full body? Full body of work? Right. What is there that would tell you Max Duggan is more deserving than Stetson Bennett? I don't think there's anything. And you and I both changed our vote. Now, it doesn't matter as much because we both still had Caleb number one. But that example to me, Stetson Bennett, instead of Max Duggan, I want the playoff in that conversation. So but then let me ask you this. okay? in the regular season, we see C.J. Stroud play against Michigan and get beat and not play all that well. And then we see Max Duggan with, by the way, a worse team and worse teammates go and beat that same Michigan team. So what's the argument that for C.J. Stroud being number three? The argument is full body of work. The argument is why does C.J. Stroud's not good game against Michigan count and Max Duggan's good game against Kansas State when they still lost? That counts. But then the playoff doesn't count. The argument is I want it all. The argument is I want it all. So if I'm close then on Duggan and CJ, and maybe I'm close, but why should CJ Stroud's best game, CJ Stroud changed people's opinions about him with the way he played against what has been the best defense in the country for the past last two years. It's not the only thing, but he had solid stats. He was a winning quarterback. You want to count the Michigan game because it counts, but why not count the Georgia game? You're saying, why don't we do count that Michigan? It's counted. But why not count the other? We did count Max Duggan's best stuff, but why not count it when he got when his team got their doors blown off in the national title game? I just don't. It does count. So, it does so count. I think that I think that I think that I can reduce this for me down to one fundamental thing. I think that when I look at the sports, and when I look at these individual teams, and when I look at these individual players, I see a situation where you have to contextualize what these guys did with what they have, right? Stetson Bennett has the best team in college football next to him. CJ Stroud has one of the best receiver course of all time playing next to him. I, and you know, so it's like, but when we get to the playoff, we look and say, well, CJ Stroud played better against Georgia's defense than Max Duggan did. And it's like, and I'm not, I don't, I don't think Max Duggan should have won the thing to be clear, but like, well, yeah. Do you think that it might have helped Max Duggan if he was throwing to Marvin Harrison and Emeka? We just Duke had a conversation how Quentin Johnson is going to be the first receiver off the board. He did throw to Marvin Harrison. His name's Quentin Johnston. 
would Ohio State fans have swapped starters two through twenty-two on their roster for teeth? No, but, but ask that answer that question. Would they have swapped players two through twenty-two on their no, roster? But, but your well, your idea of but your context of penalizing good players for being surrounded by good players. You do that in the regular season. You do that all year long. What changes about including the playoff games? This is your argument always. Hey, this guy has lousy teammates. This guy has awesome teammates. So don't give as much credit to the guy with good teammates. What does that, how does that, how does adding the playoff games? Why would you ever consider for the next 10 years giving the Heisman to anybody who doesn't play with the other best players on Ohio State or Georgia or Alabama? Why would anybody else? But it's already happening. It's not, though. It's not. And the playoff era, seven, uh, seven of the nine winners in the, of the Heisman in the playoff era have been in the playoff. But, but, but let, let, let's go back, okay? Let's go, let's, let's go back uh, and look at the entire Heisman era Heisman winners. So 2014, Marcus Mariota. Okay, that, we're going to do that. We're going to do that. Okay. We're going to do that. Okay. I have that, okay. and we're going to finish up by doing that. And it'll help okay. make the case, pro or con. And we'll do it next on the College Football Survivor Show. The College Football Survivor Show, where playoff survival is always on the line. All right, we're back. We had to interrupt our heated discussion. So I, I, I as Shahan starts to do this, I, I sketch this out. I think, I think two winners of the nine change and maybe a third, but that's all. So we will go year by year here, 2014 is perhaps the most interesting case. So go ahead with what you want to say. Let's start into that. We'll run through every year very quickly again to make this case of what would change. Go ahead. Okay. So starting in 2014, 2014 is interesting because Marcus Mariota, 100% games one through 15 is the best player in college football. 100%. But in the playoff, Ezekiel Elliott turns into something that he was not during the entire regular season once the lights come on. And I think that there is a pretty good chance that people look and say, well, Ezekiel Elliott beat Marcus Mariota, and therefore let's give him the Heisman Trophy. So Ezekiel Elliott did not finish in the top 10 in the regular season. Ezekiel Elliott ran for more than 200 yards in all three postseason games, one of which counted in the Heisman resume in the Big Ten championship game against Wisconsin. Then he also did it against Alabama or Oregon, did not finish in the top 10. Melvin Gordon from Wisconsin was the Big Ten running back who was the Heisman candidate that year. He had a 400-yard rushing game against Nebraska. So he finishes with like 2,500 rushing yards. Ezekiel Elliott finishes with like 1,800 or so. Melvin Gordon's 400-yard game against Nebraska counts. Ezekiel Elliott's 200-plus yard games against Alabama and Oregon don't count. So that Heisman voting is Mariota, Melvin Gordon, Amari Cooper. Ezekiel Elliott's not in the top 10. He won the Sullivan Award that year as the best amateur athlete in college sports, which is kind of like a made-up award, too. It's like, hey, is it a shot-put person or is it a college running back? So he won that. He didn't he wasn't sniffing the Heisman. So you're saying this is one of the ones that I – of the two that I think may be the winner. I think it is possible Ezekiel Elliott – wins the Heisman instead of Marcus Mariota. I agree with you. Why is that bad? So games one through 15, Marcus Mariota is just better across 15 games. Ezekiel Elliott rushed for uh, for under 70 yards in five of his first seven games. 
Like, he was a relative non-fact. And then obviously Ohio State was like, well, oh, I guess, I guess it's actually good to give the ball to our best player. <clears throat> but it didn't happen until the last three games of the year in a 15-game season. And obviously at the end of the year, Ezekiel Elliott was playing as well as anybody. But to me, if this is supposed to be a 1-15 through 15 award, 1-15, through 15, I, I don't think that you can seriously make an argument that Ezekiel Elliott was as good in games 1-10 through 10 as Marcus Mariota. And Marcus Mariota, again, fundamentally was not the reason that Oregon lost that football game, but he would have been credited as the reason that Oregon lost that football game in, with this setup. So we're agreeing that Ezekiel Elliott's postseason, I still have... You mostly think, let me ask this. If you trusted the voters, because neither of us trust the voters, a lot of your arguments are people aren't going to remember the regular season. People are going to overcount the postseason. Marcus Mariota was great in games one through 10, but what, well, but also the games do get more important at the end. I mean, by definition. So I, I think counting the most important games more is okay. You know, if, if someone puts up 500 passing yards against, Idaho State, I don't know. I, I don't count that as much as if they put up 500 passing yards against a good Pac-12 opponent. So if you trusted the voters, and we'll try to fix that too, would you be more open to this? If, or do you believe that no person, even though you and I both still gave the Heisman postseason to Caleb Williams, and we both put Stetson Bennett second, which was moving him up based on the postseason. We both did that. But we didn't overdo it. We didn't give him the award instead of Caleb Williams. You and I both, I think, came to probably what we agree. We, we did it. We do agree is the right conclusion. It's still Caleb Williams, but Stetson Bennett deserves to be higher. We did it. If you, if everybody was like us, would you be okay with this, or would you still fundamentally? Is there part of you that believes that's not what this should be? If we were able to do a like 13 person in a room type setup to decide the Heisman, then I, I think that we could have a discussion. I, I don't think that there's any scenario where I trust a bunch of people submitting a blind ballot to pick the right thing and not just remember the very last thing that they just saw. So conference championship weekend does matter. I say now it is not a... Race, it's not a Heisman race. It's a Heisman stage. And I believe that you have to get yourself to the stage and then you have to show out on conference championship weekend. So I believe that's how it already is. Do you disagree that that is sort of how it works now? So I, I, I definitely agree. The question that I'd have is, would Ezekiel Elliott in 2014 have earned himself in the regular season the stage to make his Heisman case in 2014. Because fundamentally, I think that nobody voted him, right? He didn't finish top 10 in the Heisman voting in, in 2014 because he hadn't earned the stage with his regular season performances yet. It would have only been a fundamentally recency bias postseason award if he were to then jump from outside of the top 10 to number one. So Kyler Murray beat Tua Tonga Vailoa in 2018 because he was better on conference championship weekend. That was a recency. Tua was better the course of the year. Tua was ahead the whole time. Last year, 
two years ago when Bryce Young won. C.J. Stroud, after week 11, was in the lead. I don't think anybody disagreed with that. He threw six touchdown passes against Michigan State. He was in the lead. Ohio State loses to Michigan, doesn't make the Big Ten championship game. Bryce Young, they stumble to a win. He saves them against Auburn in the last weekend of the regular season, and then they beat Georgia in the conference championship game, and he wins it. What's the difference there? The 11 games, through 11 games, full body of work at C.J. Stroud. And then recency bias, end of the year, most important games, your rivalry game and your conference championship game, Bryce Young was better or C.J. Stroud wasn't even there. How is that different than somebody who's in the playoff and not in the playoff or someone who's great in the playoff and someone who's average in the playoff? A lot of the things to me that you are arguing are already the case. You want it to be a full season award. It's not. It is recency bias. It is biggest games. It is biggest stages. So I'm just leaning into that because to me, it doesn't make sense that Kyler Murray can win the Heisman in a conference championship game, but Stetson Bennett can't win it in the playoff. We're already part of the way down that line, aren't we? Well, I I think that something that impacts me is that I think that I think that winning a conference championship game matters a lot. I, I think that winning a conference championship should matter a lot. I think it's something that we should reward. In you know what else matters? Winning the national title. But it's a completely different race. Like I, I think that I, I think that you know one of my big issues with it is that with the way the sport works right now, there are numerous pathways you can take to making yourself a Heisman contender. Now, again, a lot of them terminate on that last weekend but it I, I don't think it even necessarily has to be the case but right I, I think that when we enter a world where we have a postseason Heisman there is exactly one pathway that you can take to to winning the Heisman there's no outside path there's no unique path there's no individual excellence like it is your team goes and you'll win a couple of games, and you play for a national championship. I think that becomes the only way to win the Heisman Trophy at that point. Even though you and I both just voted for Caleb Williams for the postseason. I I absolutely think that Caleb Williams does not win this year. I think Stetson Bennett wins in any group of voters. I don't think that, like, I'm, I'm thrilled that the two of us came to the right conclusion. I think that we are massive outliers in, in the way that this would have been. I, I absolutely think so. Caleb Williams ended his season on a quote-unquote low from a team perspective. Stetson Bennett ended his with, obviously, his, you know, scoring six touchdowns. And people would look at that and say, wow, USC did not deserve to produce a Heisman winner this year. And it wouldn't even really be about Caleb Williams. It would be about how the teams and quarterbacks are uh, inexorably linked. Okay. So I think this this Ezekiel Elliott 2014 example is an outlier also because this is a guy who didn't even finish in the top 10, goes nuts at the end of the season. I think he does finish in the top three at the very least and probably should. I mean, it's, he's ran for 1,800 yards. I mean, it's not like he he didn't run for eight yards a game and then go crazy. He was good, not great. Then he, went, then he was great. All right. 2015, Derrick Henry wins. Alabama wins the national title. Christian McCaffrey second. Deshaun Watson is third. I voted for Deshaun Watson that year. But Derrick Henry wins it again, right? There's no doubt about that. Easily, easily. So this is the next one. This is the one that I think almost definitively changes. Oh, absolutely changes. And the question is, are you mad about it or do you like it? So 2016, (laughs) Lamar Jackson wins it and the individual excellence 
category. How do you win it? What's the example of your team's good, not great, but you're individually excellent? What does that look like? It's Lamar Jackson in 2016. Deshaun Watson second. Deshaun Watson in the playoff then goes 23 of 36 for 259 against Ohio State. Okay, 31 nothing shutout. Blows him out of the water. But then goes crazy in the national title game. 36 of 56, 420 passing yards, three touchdowns to beat Alabama in the national championship game. This is the Vince Young case. I think the two biggest examples of guys that I think are college football legends who did not win Heisman's and should have and would have if there was a postseason Heisman, Vince Young, who actually we didn't dig, we didn't d- dig into this. I want to make a trophy for him, but Vince Young was not close to Reggie Bush in 2005. It was nowhere close. And then they go head to head in the national title game, and Reggie Bush is good, but Vince Young is through the roof. That year, Reggie Bush gets 784. This is the 2005 regular season. Gets 784 first place votes. Vince Young gets 89 first place votes. And then it's a one game, game of the century national championship. Vince Young throws for 267, runs for 203 touchdowns. 19 carries, 200 yards, three touchdowns, including the game winner on fourth down in the final minute. 467 total yards. It's his second best game of the season. Reggie Bush in that game. Lendale White is actually their leading rusher. Reggie Bush is 13 for 82, but he also has nine catches for 95. So he has 170 plus yards from scrimmage. He's very good. But no way is it 784 to 89 in first place votes. And maybe, I don't know, maybe Reggie Bush still wins. But zero zero chance. So is that wrong? I, I think it is a different award. Like it is a different thing that you're asking. Cause like, cause here's it's the a thing better too. award. It's different. It's better because it counts all the games. Here's, here's the question too. Everything's exactly the same. Vince Young has whatever, 450 plus yards and it's fourth and five and Vince Young gets four yards and USC wins the national title. Does Reggie Bush win the award? Probably. So that's dumb to me. That's dumb. But we can't pretend you're, you're, I think you're extracting team success from the award too much. You can't acknowledge. I, I think that it is completely matter. tied. I think they are completely, completely tied. But you think but it I shouldn't think be at all. Me, you think it should be zero. No, 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 not at all. But I think that I think that team success should be one component of it, and making it a postseason Heisman to me completely intertwines them. Completely, completely intertwines them. So Lamar Jackson wins in 2016. Deshaun Watson is second. And we agree that Deshaun Watson wins Yeah, in, in a, a world where the postseason – and that's bad. Now, this is tough because I think Lamar's Heisman case is spectacular. But right. I also think Deshaun Watson's Heisman case is spectacular. And I think Deshaun Watson should have a Heisman. Again, I've said this before. I voted for him twice. I voted for him in 15 when he finished third, and I voted for him in 16 when he finished second. Because I – in that moment, I was valuing – his team's success, because all I knew in that moment was he's the quarterback of a national championship contender. We don't know how it's going to play out. There are other great players. Derrick Henry is great. Christian McCaffrey's great. Lamar Jackson is great. But Deshaun Watson is also great, and he plays the most important position and is the most valuable to this excellent team. So I'm factoring in team success. And then once you give that team a national championship that is fueled by his 420 passing yards, of course he wins. And that, to me, is better. 
Yes, it's different, but it's better. Do you think that if Lamar Jackson is quarterback of Clemson in 2016, that they could have won the national championship? I don't know. Maybe yes. Do you think that Lamar Jackson in 2016 was a better individual player than than Deshaun Watson, or did he just put up bigger stats because he didn't have any good teammates? I think that he was individually better than Deshaun Watson, and I think he was across the course of the season. And and and, and don't get me wrong, I don't think it would have been egregious by any means for Deshaun Watson to win that award. I just think it would have been disappointing that it's because there's only one pathway to winning the award that, that a Lamar Jackson case becomes a, a Lamar Jackson case becomes impossible. Nope. Completely it's not impossible. Completely not. impossible. Absolutely. Those are impossible. in the playoff era. Those are, and I did this while you were gone in December. I did after Caleb Williams won the Heisman, I did a pod here for our college football survivor show listeners where I ranked the best overall Heisman candidates in the entire playoff era. And Caleb Williams was like 14th. So one of the things about like, oh, Caleb Williams wouldn't have won this year. It was not a good Heisman year. It wasn't. No, no, I think that's totally fair. Deshaun, so like the idea of like, oh, how could we rip the Heisman away from Caleb Williams? It's like, well, I don't know. I mean, it's it's fine. Deshaun Watson and Lamar Jackson are two of the best five Heisman candidates in the playoff era. They just happen to be in the same year. So at the moment, it's like, I think Deshaun Watson got unfairly aced out of a Heisman. So now we're creating a world where you would feel like Lamar Jackson would get unfairly aced out of a Heisman. But at least we'd count all the games. Let's go to 2017. Baker Mayfield in 2017, he wins it. He's throws for 287, two touchdowns and a pick in the overtime playoff loss to Georgia. Bryce Love is second. Lamar Jackson is third. Baker still wins in 2017, right? Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. 2018, we'll get back to in a second because it's the last interesting one. 2019, Joe Burrow wins six Heismans if they count the postseason. He's the Heismanist, Heisman, Heismany that you could ever have. Right. So that doesn't change. Right. Right. 2020, Devontae Smith is awesome all year long and is awesome in the playoff. No doubt about right. it. Devontae right. Smith still wins it. And then 2021, Bryce Young carries Alabama the whole year and then drags Alabama to the national championship game. That doesn't change. I don't know. I don't think that changes. You do think your official stance is, even though you and I both voted for Caleb Williams, you think Stetson Bennett would have won the postseason Heisman. That's your official yes, stance. Absolutely. So, absolutely. So you think that one changes. I think Caleb Williams still wins. So let's get our official stances here. So you have Caleb Williams changing to Stetson Bennett. 2014, do you think Ezekiel Elliott actually wins? Derrick Henry doesn't change. Lamar Jackson to Deshaun Watson, we think that actually changes. Yes. Yes. 2017 doesn't change. And then 19, 20, and 21 don't change. So you have three changes. I have two. The last one, and I think this would have been great. 2018, it's Tua Tonga Vailoa's award. It's there for the taking. Kyler Murray has a great Big 12 championship game, wins the award on conference championship weekend. And then guess what? They play in a semifinal. It's Tua versus Kyler Murray. But the awards have already been voted for. So that idea, Shahan, I don't know how that would have gone down, but I think I'm here for Tua versus Kyler in a semifinal, and also it's for the Heisman. Tua in that game, 24 of 27, 318 passing yards, four touchdowns. Kyler Murray in that game, 19 of 37 for 308 yards, two touchdowns, also ran 17 times for 109 yards. 
So Tua only had three incompletions, was basically perfect. Kyler had 400-plus yards from scrimmage total. Bama wins 45-34. So Tua wins the head-to-head battle. That was a close Heisman anyway. How do you th- do you think Tua beats out Kyler in 2018 if it's a postseason award? And then, by the way, Bama goes on and gets blown off the field by Clemson in the national championship game, but nobody's given the Heisman to freshman Trevor Lawrence. First of all, I, I think that Trevor Lawrence absolutely, absolutely becomes a factor if that happens. Absolutely, because he would have played his two best games in the games that people watched. And I think that I, I think that Trevor Lawrence absolutely has a chance. It, it, I don't know if he wins. I'm not as confident as I was about Zeke or about Stetson Bennett, but I think there's absolutely a very realistic chance. People are like, well, Trevor Lawrence was perfect over the two games that mattered and he won the national championship. So he should be our Heisman winner. And he was a freshman. Oh, he, you know, it took him some time to get his sea legs under him. But by the end of the year, nobody was playing any better. And I I think that that absolutely is a discussion. And the, but the other part of it too, to go back to the two versus Kyler discussion, can anybody seriously watch that game and say, wow, Kyler Murray failed and Tua succeeded and therefore that's why we're switching the Heisman? No, it's because Alabama won the game. That's it. It's, it's only a quarterback wins award at that point. And I think that Tua does win at that point. But Tua had been ahead, but you're okay. Do you have a problem that Kyler passed Tua on conference championship weekend by having a better game? I mean, I, I think I see. I would disagree. I think that that Kyler was as good as not better across the whole season before that too. I think that Kyler was that good all season long, and I, I think that that's probably where we differ most. I don't think that Tua he wasn't was going to win. He wasn't going to win. Tua was going to win. To me, it was a correction. I think that Kyler was that good all year, and and people just didn't notice until he earned himself that stage. And you know, so so I don't know. I mean. I I just don't want this to become a quarterback wins award. Like, I just don't want this to become a quarterback wins award. That's fundamentally what it comes down to. And, like, of course Alabama beat Oklahoma. Alabama's better than Oklahoma. Of course Georgia beat TCU. Georgia's better than TCU. Like, I don't know what this tells us about these players. I don't think that it tells us anything that interesting or valuable. You act, you act though, that like the great players on the great teams that you could just put in any other, well, if you put Max Duggan on Ohio State and he had a Mecca Buka and Marvin Harrison Jr., he'd be C.J. Stroud. So we should give Max Duggan the, the way that you, you overemphasize worse teams. Like one of your categories is how terrible are your teammates and then I'm going to give you extra points because you are lifting this terrible team as opposed to you are leading a great team and your play is making all the great players around you better. I I understand wanting to stand up for the little guy, but you're you're kicking the big guy right in the groin repeatedly for being a big guy. I, I, I don't know. It, it's like if you have great players around you, I think that your bar for greatness is higher. I don't think that you can just compare these guys apples to apples. I think that you have to contextualize what these guys are doing. Like, oh, can you believe that Lamar Jackson didn't win as much as Louisville as Deshaun Watson did at Clemson? Yes, I absolutely can understand that because they, they are in completely disparate situations. Now, again, they're, they're examples. For example, 2019, Joe Burrow LSU, right? He has lots of talent around him and he plays like it. And he, like you said, elevates all that sort of stuff. But like 
it's not just because they won the games. It's because they did what they did and won the games. And he was as good as he was. Like, I absolutely think that whenever we have players who play on great teams, we need to contextualize them versus other players within the context of what their teams have. And you think it fundamentally changes? Because part of the deal, right? So Tua... Tua got hurt in the SEC championship game, I think, that year. And then Jalen Hurts came in because Tua was 10 of 25 for 164 yards with two picks in that SEC championship game. So if you think Kyler's better the whole year, what did happen is Tua was 387 versus Texas A&M. He was 334 against Arkansas. He was 306 versus Tennessee. He was 324 against Auburn in the rivalry game. And then the SEC championship game, He's bad. He gets hurt. It's the last game people saw, and he loses the Heisman. So that's okay. But then for him to throw 318 yards passing and four touchdowns against Oklahoma, that it's okay that that doesn't count. Like Again, I understand your recency bias and don't just count the last game. Tua lost the Heisman because he had a bad last game. His worst game of the year was the last game on the biggest stage, and that counted. But if, the, if you would have awarded the Heisman at the end of the actual regular season, Tua would have won it. I think that, see, I, I just think again, like, what do we, ex- I, I think that we need to think about what we expect from an Alabama quarterback versus what we expect from a quarterback who doesn't play for Alabama, right? Like, I, I, but we the, but have again, to now we're back. To, but this is your year long. This is your year long argument. This is your year long downgrade Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, anybody good. Downgrade them because they have good players. That's not ching. So you're just saying you think, you think, your fear, your biggest argument, you think gets emphasized even more. The thing you already fight against and don't like is now going to be emphasized more in a world where those teams are in the playoff on the biggest stage and it's going to be just more of the thing you already don't like is your main point here. Is that right? That, that's fundamentally it, yeah. Okay. It's it's already exists, but it's going to get worse. Okay. It's going to, it's going to get much worse. And I think the other part of it too is that, again, like we look back now at that receiver group that Tua had, and we're like, oh, maybe that was the best of all time. Like, maybe that was the greatest group of receivers ever. We look back at 2021 Ohio State, and we're like, oh, all these guys are awesome. Like, maybe this was the greatest group in the history of football. That's not a, that's not an argument about whether the highest one should but be. That's a, why I feel like we need to contextualize it. You know, Kyler Stone, you know, he's got, uh, I, I think CeeDee Lamb was on that team who was awesome. And then it's like, Nick Basquin, like these dudes who like are are not that good. And and it's just I, I think that for us to just be like, well, well, actually, this is this is a good example too. We're having this discussion right now where people are like, well, if Joe Burrow beats Patrick Mahomes this weekend, that means that he's the best quarterback in football. And it's like Joe Burrow's not playing against Patrick Mahomes. Joe Burrow's playing against the Chiefs defense. Like I, I hate when we do this, where we try to reduce head-to-head matchups uh, into into reflections of how these players actually are. A player is one part of the pie, and to, to try to draw these giant revelations about what they are in, in football specifically, I, I think that we can do this a little more in other sports. Basketball is five on five, for example, right? I think it's a little easier to do that. Baseball, 
it's a series of one-on-one matchups. I think it's a little easier to contextualize what an individual does. In football, you are one of 11. And being the best one of 11 is great. But, I mean, it's just, to me, we can't just go and, and say, well, this team won the game and therefore this player is better and more deserving. Like, I, I think that that is one factor to take into account in a sport that is fundamentally unfair. So let's go back to your ballot to finish this up, to make a final point here. So your ballot at the end, when the Heisman votes were actually due would have been Caleb Williams, Max Duggan, Hendon Hooker. You said your ballot in the postseason would have been Caleb Williams, Stetson Bennett, Max Duggan. So Stetson Bennett moved ahead of Max Duggan if it was a postseason award. Do you think that's a worse ballot by you? Like, why did you move Stetson Bennett up? And do you think in the end that is a worse vote, a worse reality? If that was your vote, if that was how the Heisman finished, that's worse for the sport? That's worse for the players? That's a worse reflection of the narrative of the season? Why did you do it? And what do you think of what you did? What do you think? How dare you, sir? <laughs> I, I think it's a I think it's a worse ballot that's less reflective of the season because I think that when you look back at this season, Tennessee was one of the biggest stories of the year, and Hendon Hooker gets hurt and is a complete non-factor, unfortunately, uh, when it's time to to put in a postseason Heisman vote, just a total non-factor. And I think that erasing Hendon Hooker from the Heisman ballot is worse. I think that uh, I, I think that. Um, you know, obviously Georgia was really good and, and Georgia was reflective of the season, of course. And so I, I, I don't even really as much have an issue with Stetson Bennett being involved, but Hendon Hooker being eliminated is worse. I think, I think that Max Duggan was one of the, from games one to 13 stories of the season in college football. And, and again, I think that Caleb Williams was the most outstanding player in college football. Why did you put Stetson Bennett ahead of Max Duggan then? Because quarterback wins, <laughs> because I think that that's how we would have to look at it. Like, so, so I guess so. I think we understand how it would change. It really is a matter of whether you think it's better or worse. I think a world where the quarterback of the national championship team, who in his final two games accounted for a total of seven hundred and twenty-three yards and ten touchdowns, I think that not counting for the Heisman is definitively worse. Sorry, were you talking about Trevor Lawrence there, or, or were you? I, I I'm lost track. About the guy, I'm talking <laughs> I know, about I'm... the guy who you're saying the idea of like Hendon Hooker falling off your ballot is to you not a good thing. I'm saying me when I voted, not even really thinking about Stetson Bennett. That's worse because then Stetson Bennett went out and balled out and showed what kind of player he was. And it really mattered. And it really helped this team win. And he wasn't just along for the ride. He's a really good player who should have gotten, as it turns out, not fewer Heisman votes, but more Heisman votes and would have enough to win. I don't think so. You do think so, even though neither of us would have done it. So in the end, I'm going to, um, I don't even know what the word is. I'm going to definitely write about this. I'm going to, call the Heisman. I'm going to try to talk to people about like, why not do this? I think it should be done for the 2024 season with the move to the 12 team playoff, because it's only going to exacerbate it. Right. Jahan, the idea of somebody might come in as a six seed and they're playing four playoff games and be extraordinary. And none of that counts. 
I think that's even worse. Like that's a new world that we have not dealt yet with. We're just talking about how Stetson Bennett had two good games. Vince Young had one good game, right? Deshaun Watson had two good games that didn't count. I do think, do you think it's a different, do you think it's, in your mind, does anything change about, oh yeah, if a person plays four games that don't count, that would be, that would change my thought process. I think that at that point, we really have to have a most outstanding player award. Like, I think that at that point, we are like, yeah, yeah, a most outstanding player of the playoff. Because, yeah, I mean, if to win the college basketball national championship, you have to win, uh, you have to win six games. Like you said, there are going to be players playing three and four games in this. I I think that that makes it it, its completely own entity at that point. Uh, And and like, because the thing is, right, I mean, would it make you feel different i guess if if they kept postseason stats as a separate thing because because one other thing too one other thing too that's going to be very interesting is going to be the idea of like leading the country in passing of records of of career passing yards like mm-hmm. this stuff is going to definitely you gotta work all this out yeah th- th- this part's going to be i think actually very interesting how how this gets handled or honestly i think i'd be in favor of handing out the heisman after the 12th game Vote before conference championship weekend. What do you think of that? I, I think that because <laughs> then everybody plays. Everybody plays the same number of games, and you know what you're taking out team success because it doesn't matter if your team makes a conference championship game, which it sure does matter now. Yeah, I, I still think. <laughs> I, I think that you know one of the things that happened whenever they announced the 12 team playoff was. I was very happy about the fact that winning a conference championship actually earned you something, that it earned you a buy in the college football playoff. Because I do think that when we think about the Heisman too, we do need to think about what exactly it's rewarding. And I do think that college football is a regional conference sport at its heart. Now, if we want to, if we want to go all, if we want to go all the way to, to making it a super league type thing, then do it. Don't don't lie and sit here. Like, just say only two conferences get to play. Like, just say that. I, I but I, I just we are not at that point as yet. There are things that uh, that I think the sport is trying to do to slow this down to make this a national sport that's also a regional sport. But I do think that there is value and merit, and and I think that the Heisman Trophy has a unique place in college football lore because. It positions itself uniquely. If this was just an award that uh, you know that the best player on the best team won every single year, then I don't think anybody would care about it. But that's not been how it's functioned. All right, so we're gonna go at CFB Survivor Show on Twitter. We'll we'll let this pod sit out there for a couple of days and try to get people to listen to it, and then we'll put up a poll: Should the Heisman be moved? When the 12-team playoff starts, should the Heisman be moved to a postseason award? So we will get your thoughts on this. If you want to tweet at us at CFB Survivor Show on Twitter and give us your thoughts on this, if we get some responses, we'll read some on our pod next week. This was more I like when it's contentious. I think we outlined the, pretty starkly the two sides of this. Like I, I don't know that there's – I mean, I guess maybe someone could be like, I don't care. It doesn't matter. It's a trophy, <laughs> but it's the best trophy in sport. So it, it, if you care about trophies at all, it does matter. And I think we, we outlined the two arguments here on either side of it. So I, I like that we did that. And I'm going to see 
if we can move, if we can move it, it's going to be like, hey, uh, Mr. Heisman, it's Doug. And they'd be like, uh, hold on, I'm, Shahan's calling. Let me get back to you in a second. Shahan's going to be like, don't listen to him. Don't listen to him. Don't let him sway you. So that's our discussion. Uh, I wanted to do that. That is moving the sport forward. It's a forward discussion. We used this past season as a way to talk about it. And so in the end, congratulations to Setson Bennett for finishing second in the postseason Heisman balloting. But Caleb Williams still won, at least in our two-vote thing, even though Shahan doesn't think it would happen in real life. Okay, that's it for this edition of the College Football Survivor Show. We did an Apple show where we did the biggest off-season moves that affect the 2023 playoff race. Garrett Riley, Clemson offensive coordinator, new coordinator hires Alabama, Sam Hartman in Notre Dame. That was on the Apple show, $2.99 a month. You get a bonus episode every week if you'd like to subscribe to that. But for now, that was a hearty, heated debate, Shahan. Do you like podcasts like that or not? Are you mad at me now? <laughs> little of this, little of that. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, you are, uh, you are gregarious, and I respect your opinion. So we don't fight as much. We don't fight <laughs> as much here. So that was probably the best fighting that we had. And honestly, if I could, I would just fight on every podcast I was ever on. So that felt natural to me. Shahan is like, I'm not sure I want to be part of this anymore. But we're glad you guys are part of it. So for Shahan Jeharaja, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was. The College Football Survivor Show. The College Football Survivor Show, where playoff survival is always on the line.